Hey, welcome back to the Urban Monk. Dr. Pedram Shojai here with a couple young ladies who I think are kicking some ass out there in the world. You know, it is really easy to feel like the world's problems are too great and to, you know, roll over and die, if you will. It's, you know, everything's corporate. You know, the big bad machine has already destroyed it. We might as well just give up or build a bunker or, or be hedonists. Um, and that is just a, a really unreasonable stance, in my opinion. I've had a lot of uh, interaction with people in the this kind of community since this conscious capitalism uh, film that we did on prosperity. And, you know, you get these occasional people in the chat threads that are like, it's too late, it's over. And it's just like, okay, we'll roll over and die and help push up some flowers because you're in my way. Right. And uh, there are a couple young ladies that are just kicking ass out there, an organization called MAD. We'll talk all about it. Uh, Emily and Fiona, who I'm very impressed with the work that they've done. And I really want them to kind of be a shot in the arm of anyone who's listening to this to just, you know, get up off your ass and get involved in something that's meaningful because that's what the world needs. And that's what you need, right? Because sitting around being depressed about the state of the world doesn't make things better. It actually adds to the trance and the curse. And it's a downward spiral. So ladies, welcome to the Urban Monk. Thank you very much. What an opening. Yeah, well, you know, I talk too much. Um, so <laughs> I would I would love to just get a little bit of backstory about, you know, just from e- each of you and then how you met. Um, and then we're just going to jump right in. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've talked briefly. Do you want the, the, the elevator nice pitch or the short version? No, the no. Let's let's go the short version that gives enough details. How's yeah. that? So I um the the incredible thing I think when we met was that we realized that we really shared the same the same background the same story. Uh, we'd both done what you what you just described very well. Like we've done those years in the big corporates, um, and we we had a deeper urge for something else. And we both grabbed our backpacks, and this is completely unknowing of each other. Uh, went off traveled the world to to really explore how we could use our our backgrounds and, and experience expertise whatnot uh to make a difference and then to to cut uh, many long stories shorter we we met up this summer um as i got back from nigeria and for for different reasons i had a bag that i was supposed to hand over to fiona uh, and so I'm handing over this bag, not really, really knowing who Fiona is. And uh, she looks at me and she goes like, why were you really in Nigeria? <laughs> and I tell, I tell the story of why I was in Nigeria. And she looks at me and, and she says, mad. And uh, there was something clicking, I think, in both of us. Like, I have i don't think I believed in love at first sight before that moment. But it was really like that deep... Um, resonance within both of us i i simply said you know what mad make a difference i hear you hold that thought um i'll go back and draw a few things and i'll be back in a week i uh, put together a really simple landing page and uh, and we realized that we shared the same the same vision of of a mad world like making a difference uh from a deep urge um of of that passion that you like you need to be crazy you need to be mad enough to think you can change the world to actually do so so what the hell were you doing in nigeria and then we'll get to fiona and how you guys (laughs) (laughs) intersected after that what were i doing in nigeria well so after i went off um 
yeah, after I went off business backpacking after the corporate times, um, I built the Saga, a social enterprise, um, which has which supports different types of sustainability projects, both from a social and environmental perspective uh, across Latin America, Asia, and the last um, the last country in place I I were working solely with the Saga focusing uh, was in Nigeria. So I had been the mentor of an incredible woman, uh, Olatusin who Fiona had actually had on a accelerator program the year before uh, where I had the privilege of being uh, being a mentor and I just like I remained in contact with her and I wanted to do a, a kind of a statement collection something jointly um, showing the work that she's been doing with and, and continuously are uh, with violated women and, and the empowerment um, work she's doing there so that's kind of what I got back from uh, uh, in Nigeria, bringing one of her bags uh, to Fiona, because Fiona has obviously met Jacin before. And to to fast forward a, a tiny bit, uh, we actually decided to bring Jacin on board, uh, on the board of directors. So on that board, it's, it's me and Fiona as the two co-founders and companions. And then it is Jacin who actually brought us together uh, over that piece from Nigeria. And Chasin, if I'm pronouncing that right, <clears throat> is working with battered, violated women in Nigeria and giving them kind of occupational rehab and hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. This is Fiona, who yeah. has been working with Lotusin for the last couple of years. Um, she was part of an accelerator program that we hosted here in Stockholm. Uh, we selected her because of the incredible work that she's been doing in Nigeria she herself was a victim of domestic violence. And at that time, she was devastated. Um, she had gotten education. She had believed that her life was going to be better than a lot of the Nigerian women who actually faced domestic abuse on a, on a daily basis, because she was told by her parents that if you get an education, then you will have a different type of life. And unfortunately, when she got married and the stresses of the, the marriage took their toll, um, they actually turned into beatings for her and her young child. And at that moment in the hospital, her doctor said to her, if you don't get out, you will die. And she knew at that moment that she needed to be stronger than she'd ever been before. And not only for herself, but for her daughter and also for all of the other women who were falling into the same traps, but didn't have an alternative. And so she started just in her community, inviting other women within her community to start talking about the challenges that they're facing at home, that they're not talking about outside. And she then, when they were telling their stories, she realized that they were all bound together by this, this absolute feeling of despair and what she called trash, like she was undervalued and treated like rubbish. And as she was speaking with these women, she wanted to find a way for them to feel value again. And so she was actually going around the tailors. I mean, any of you who uh, have been to Nigeria or have seen any of the beautiful dresses that are worn in Nigeria, the fabrics there are absolutely beautiful and vibrant. And what she did was she went round to local tailors and dressmakers and asked for the scraps, the offcuts that weren't being used. And she took them back to the women and she said like, Let's, while we're talking and telling our stories, let's actually try and create something. And so it was a, it's a type of, therapy. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was occupational therapy, but done from a very natural 
place. It was using the resources that they had, and they started to patch these fabrics together. And as they patched these fabrics together, the story of Trash to Treasure was born. And so what she would do is she would work with these women, and together they would create beautiful patchwork quilts and bags that she would then be able to create value that would then be sold. And what we would do in Sweden when we were working with her was to help her discover the true value of those bags, which are much beyond the price of the production and much rather about the message that they carry for solidarity. Mm. And so when when Emily was coming back to me, she was bringing the latest bags because Alutazine had started to scale her business and more women were working with her and she wanted to show us the quality of these fantastic bags that they were producing in Nigeria. So people listening to this are obviously aghast at, you know, the circumstances of not just women in Nigeria, but women, you know, all over the world. There's all sorts of shit going on that shouldn't, right? And so you hear this and now all of a sudden a bag isn't just a bag. A bag has a story and a bag supports a mission. So how do you, who, you know, you, okay, you're a couple of corporate gals who are, you know, tired of corporate, you know, corporate world. I don't want to say corporate America because I'm such a U.S. centric jerk. Um, you know, it's, it's so easy for, you know, Americans to think that we're the only ones that are corporate, but corporate has kind of invaded everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you guys leave there. You're like, I'm going to take my skill set out um, and help the world some way. Um, this, this individual and her organization, um, you know, they have a compelling narrative. So then how do you connect the dots? How do you get this story tied to this bag and get someone who's going to go out and buy some Birkin bag or some, you know, $3,000, you know, piece of leather that has a, a, a label on it, um, and buy these instead, um, knowing full well that now they're part of a solution and not just feeding a, a fashion industry that, that, you know, um, takes, yeah, I think that um, as I handed that bag over to Fiona, um, the what we what we gathered around and what we saw, like through our journeys when we had worked with women such as Tucson, uh, was really that having built businesses bottom up ourselves in, in developing regions and, and seeing their struggles, seeing what they were, were facing and the hurdles they were banging themselves against, uh, we had at the same time, as you're touching upon there, like we had those networks from our corporate days still there. Um, they were the people who kept calling us mad for going off. And they many times had skill sets that that could unlock those challenges. They wanted to do something. They wanted to make a difference. They wanted to do something more than perhaps donate a bit of money. Um, but they weren't prepared for different reasons to simply like leave their own life behind and, and head off. So for us sitting there with this bag over a cup of coffee, realizing that we had the networks of the social entrepreneurs and we had the networks on the corporate side, we felt almost obliged to put them together. So that's really how that all got got started. Mm. That was the first that was mm. the first mad idea. And then that grew into into a much bigger community. But that was really the yeah, the very basic thought. And I think just to add on to that, what also became clear was like I said, a little scene had been part of a, a business accelerator program that we'd been mm. running in Stockholm, which was phenomenal for being able to provide all of the business knowledge that is also quite accessible online, which she could have received, you know, looking online and being able to see, thanks to all of the technology available these days where you can actually get free courses and understand how Business Model Canvas and things work. 
But the things that were tripping the Lutacine up weren't business knowledge. What the challenges were actually very operational fundamental things. Mm-hmm. The challenge of um, getting, so simply like there, there was no PayPal system. There was no way for a European person or American person to be able to transfer money to Nigeria to buy the product. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to go to Western Union and then actually trans, you, you do a physical transaction in a store. Mm-hmm. And that's just not something that happens in Sweden. And so that market was just cut off. There's a challenge there. So we said, well, let's have a look. What can we do? How can we provide a platform, an easy way for people to pay for the products? Mm-hmm. They want to pay, but they're not going to go to Western Union. And so it's those sort of things that we realized that through our networks, we can probably identify people who know how to solve these challenges. Payment systems already exist. Yeah. But a lot of team doesn't have access yeah. to them right yeah. now. Throughout our network, though, there's probably someone who understands what's coming as yeah. well with all social media payments. There's so many different ways that you can pay now. But if you don't have access to that knowledge, you don't know where to look. Yeah. And that's where we saw the opportunity yeah. to bring in our networks. Yeah. And I, I think also that, that there's a fundamental principle there of, of what we refer to as the MAD method, which is really like it's starting, starting at MAD and going beyond, like really really pushing those frontiers of, of what we can see and imagine and, and questioning how things look. So many of those programs that are phenomenal today, they do still run from A to B. And, and when we've had conversation with them, they feel depressed as they like, exit those. So even though they've been remarkable when they've been there, the idea of the community was really born to provide a safe space, to provide a place where you can grow uh, jointly, where they can share some of their struggles um, and, and those journeys that follows after. How much of these struggles are systemic? I mean, there's a lot of inertia, you assume, you know, some there's going to be a government shakedown, there's kind of legislative issues, policy issues, and all sorts of things. Like, how hard does it get to actually do good work in some of these countries? Um, and how much of it is just kind of like, you know, tech solution barriers like you guys were able to just hurl over? Well, I, I'd say it's, it really varies. Um, some are much more systemical, and there is where, where different kind of business model insights and, and whatnot can, can truly support. And then there are some that are, are highly contextual. Like when one of my first personal experiences, and this is this is pre-MAD, um, becomes where I realized that production was done because the llama has escaped. And then, you know, well, obviously you need to, to fetch the llama first. So it goes from very high-tech stuff to, to very fundamental stuff. Right. And, and, and so you get in and you figure out solutions on the ground level and then systemically. Now, you know, so someone, yeah. someone listening to this saying, okay, great. You guys got all these connections and you just kind of, you know, connected the, connected the dots. You know, I work for company ABC. I don't really, you know, know someone in payment processing. Like what the hell can I do here? Um, how can people start to really connect up with their existing networks and then networks like your own, um, no matter who they know or how much, you know, access they have to be a part of a solution um, to something that, you know, something they see wrong on, on the planet? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question and, and a question we've gotten a lot. And we, we sat down and we, we draw up this thing that we are, we're referring to as the mad theory of change. So we think that, you know, if you want to change the world, you need to have some sort of idea about how that change is going to happen. And so how we think of it is really that uh, and, and, and what we've seen as we've worked with individuals across well, pretty much all continents there there is, except the, the very icy ones, uh, we realized that the first step is really to embrace 
your inner madness or your inner passions and desires, like really sitting with yourself and asking yourself what you are truly mad about. Like, what is it that stirs up that passion and drive? So that being the first step, becoming more conscious and aware of that. The second one would be to, to come together with other with other people who share that passion because otherwise you know you can keep keep on becoming more and more conscious but if you run that race alone you're never going to create that scalability you're never truly going to create a sustainable change um and so that's really like finding people who share those same passions and we've done it you know on on, on workshops where people come together over which kind of UN sustainability target they share a passion about and you can do it much more locally so you can do that on many different scales and then the third step would truly be to take those actions of what we would refer to as as going mad um, of really as you've come together find those actions so you might be you know to to entrepreneurs who've who've looked into how you can iterate uh, or pivot your business models uh, to create partnerships to create change from there Uh, we 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 now are in the very fortunate place where people start to know about the mad community and they reach out and they can say like hey we have we have this initiative going on here or we've developed this platform here and we can then make those connections but i i think that very first step of of going internally and sitting with embracing that inner madness and then then finding other people who share it and as soon as you know when said that it's really the first follower is the first key person like as soon as you find someone who shares that and, and, and start taking action, because it's only through action you can actually find out what works and what doesn't work. Let's talk about the, the acronym real quick, because there are different um, associations with the word. I mean, mad could, you know, um, be angry yeah. and it could also be crazy. And so, you know, and, and I, in, in our conversation here, I've, I've heard you both kind of use it in both those contexts, uh, kind of in a fluid way. Um, you know, I think the original definition is kind of like, you know, people thought you guys were crazy, but you're asking also like, you know, what is it that you're mad about? So I'd love to kind of tease that out a little bit to really, you know, tap into the energy that, that really needs to be galvanized and, and, you know, kind of, ta- you know, brought forth to get people to, you know, step into their, their heroes selves yeah no i think it's it's as you say like it, it came from people calling us mad but also as realizing that there is power in this and i, I think it's also like we've realized that these like the 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 struggles we're facing like as a global community they are humongous like they're enormous and and there has been a lot of really brilliant people trying to tackle them before um but by taking serious problems too seriously and especially perhaps taking ourselves too seriously when we're trying to cope with them hasn't really unlocked chains so for us calling us mad and, and using that became a way of removing the ego out of the picture about saying, you know what, like, let's come together here. We don't have all of the answers, but we are crazy enough to think that we can change the world. Mm-hmm. And, and through that, we create a safe space, I think, much quicker than we ever thought. Uh, and people were like, oh, this is nice. Like, we can actually we can actually share those half-thought thoughts and, and build upon that each other. So it, as you say, like it, it both builds on that craziness that you have to be crazy enough to think you can change the world to actually do so. 
um, and using that as a vehicle. And, and I think really, I mean, we tend to uh, to try to show our very best sides and, and then by doing so, we numb a lot of different things um, and makes it really hard to actually drive, drive innovation and, and new ideas. We know that like we won't solve the, the struggles we have ahead with the same paradigm that created them. So we need to remove those blockers and barriers that we found mad to be the vehicle for it. Yeah. And I also think as well with that, the word mad is very personal. Yeah. As an emotion, you feel mad when you're angry or when you're hurt or when you, when you see an injustice and it, it, it creates something inside of you, um, which is very helpful when you're trying to create action. You want someone to feel personally the pain and not be so disconnected from it, which has often happened when people talk about these global challenges, they think about it as someone else's challenge. When you start to say what makes you mad, you start to realize there's something that you care about. And then transforming mad then to the acronym of make a difference, it becomes active and you can also own that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, regionally, one of the problems that, you know, we've had with climate change is it's a global problem that expresses regionally. So you're like, oh, those poor Puerto Ricans or, you know, oh, man, it's, it's so terrible that, you know, that one thing happened over there. Or, yeah, you know, Nigeria sucks. It's too bad that, you know, Africa is so messed up. Um, but, you know, if you're buying a product from a country that's supporting a warlord that's, you know, kind of kicking down those dynamics, then you are intimately involved in that. And so you were, you use the word, you know, where people kind of go into this numbness, right? Um, and I think, I think Emily had, had yeah. mentioned this and I want to kind of talk about some of the cultural sedatives that become the enemies of making a difference. You know, we have a opioid epidemic in the United States, which is, you know, getting a lot of press because everyone's, you know, literally sedating themselves. But then there's Narcos, then there's Game of Thrones, then there's video games, then there's, you know, dot, dot, dot. I mean, look at all the ways people kind of throw themselves in and say, okay, well, you know, the world is messed up. Me and my conscious community are going to move to New Zealand and we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, start a utopia or, you know, I'm going to get a bunker and buy a bunch of guns in America, right? I'm going to buy a bunch of guns and like, you know, survival mm -hmm. food. So me and my family are going to make it when like the, the zombie apocalypse happens coming out of the cities. And it's all just this really kind of disassociative way of looking at the problems without actually addressing them um, and, and being human about it. So how do you, how do you, in the face of that, galvanize people to kind of step out of that, that numbness and, and start to make a difference? Because I've noticed in my own life, you know, when you start to just step out of, you know, all that bullshit and you get in the game, you start finding more and more enthusiasm and optimism amongst people who are also in the game. And that community is one that can really kind of light you up and, and, and give you meaning and purpose. And also, fuck, I mean, you know, God help us all save the world. You know what I mean? Like it, it just helps to be on the right boat. Yeah. Well, I think that um, as you're touching upon here, like there is something with that, that community, even though that might be tiny to start off with. And I think for, for me and Fiona, coming back to, to what we share and the very core, core team of MAD, which is, which is us, um, like we've both built businesses ourselves. And as we met, like realizing that they're there, there is another person who shares that. And, and when you have your low days, your shitty days, like there, there is someone there to, sh to like with you. So you're not alone in that. And, and as we 
started playing with different principles and philosophies and and when we saw how people reacted it like it all came from a very authentic place and when we speak for about numbness or vulnerability like how how people tend to not want to be vulnerable or people tend to not want the the kind of nasty sides of vulnerability or the the risk of being hurt and so you numb that uh, but then you also numb the upside and so for us to really be able to sit with an experiment with those things like we just before we jumped on this call like we have this um a, a very deep respect for each other's differences uh, and, and really an active choice of being vulnerable in that. And by by being that in those close relationships, as we then invite people onto that, um, that that kind of spread when when people, they, they, it comes with a sense of relief. Uh, yes, they, many of them come in and they, they start by presenting their, their businesses or their ideas in a really shiny, nice way. But like you can't really get to the true upside. Like we 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 talk about an experiment with different ways of, of driving and catalyzing exponential impact. And you will never have that exponential upside um, if you don't allow for that for that vulnerability or that authenticity or that co-creation where you step into the place and you say, hey, like I don't have it figured out. Like I have my shitty days, whatever that might be. But I'm gonna like I'm gonna open this up um, and let us work on it together, and and so I think for us having us like we both know that none of us could have done it by by ourselves. That's been absolutely key for how we've developed it and and how we've been able to bring people on board. Uh, you know, in America, um, it's pretty ugly because you know everyone kind of you know look everyone wants to be a part of a solution. No one wants the world to end, right? But there's just such competing narrative about, you know, who's at fault and what the problems are and, you know, whether it's the immigrants or the the, you know, the the climate. Everyone's kind of been fed different stuff. And so, you know, I I've, I've talked to a lot of people uh, who are doing all sorts of workshops now, getting people that have kind of polar opposite opinions in the same room, looking at each other's viewpoints and really, you know, understanding that it's not it's not, they're not as far off as they think. And that, you know, a lot of this narrative has become what has created the, the, the wedge and the polarity. How much of that do you guys see in your work, especially when you're going into some of these challenged communities um, and looking at, you know, how to, you know, motivate people to kind of step out of their calamity? I think that's one of the key components of the community that we're trying to build is that, or that we are building and that is growing is that we are coming together because of our differences, because these other perspectives make us stronger in understanding the shared world. Like these are global challenges and we're all living on the same planet. And so we need to start to understand each other's perspectives. And so by, by seeing how each person has something that they want to change, that they own, and they are trying to make a difference because it's important to them you may have a completely different challenge that you're trying to address in your market or in your community. But because you have that same shared deep desire to make a difference, to create a better world for your family and for the, for the future generations, it's what actually strengthens you and brings you together. And so you start to remove, you, you recognize and you want, you want those different perspectives in a room. I mean, we spend a lot of time and we're starting to see people coming together who are traditionally across li lines of conflict. Mm. So you have religious and geographical borders and, and, and wars that are being fought by 
by bigger institutions. But when you actually sit across the table from someone and you both feel that it's important to get access to ed- quality education for your children, that, that distinction that was made by other lawmakers falls away because you realize that together if you work together or if you share some insights you can actually start to you can start to make your own difference and that's what's really exciting and that's why we feel it's so timely to be talking to individuals and organ and and people who have the ability to organize themselves as opposed to waiting for for policy to change do you have like a playbook or something that you just readily offer people who want to get up and get involved. Like, you know, it, it's, it, it seems so overwhelming to be like, oh man, you know, there's sex trafficking in my town. Like, but what the hell am I going to do about it? Right. And, you know, the, the answer is, you know, maybe what someone has already successfully done about it in, in another town. Right. And so people feel real lonely and isolated and afraid to, to get involved in anything. Um, and so having resources, I think is a big part of it. I just want know like how, how robust are your resources? I know you guys are you're you're young, right? You're just getting this thing going. I caught that in your in your um, discourse. You know, you said something about you know future tense and realized that it's actually present tense now, right? Yeah. Just as you're talking about it, because that's how that's how startup you know things work. You're like, oh shit, no, we've actually done done that. Like we're you know the train is moving, right? Yeah. And so like, what's there now? What's coming? What's on the roadmap? Yeah, no, it's 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 so you're very spot on there. Like it, we we talk about it as we're building the plane meanwhile flying and that is literally what we're doing um and so as you're saying like this um this playbook there's actually a draft on my computer <laughs> uh that mm. is named the mad playbook um and we're we're filling that as as we go with kind of key insights because because as you said there is that like even though things are always contextualized uh, there are the least common denominators and really sitting with, you know, what does that, like, what are those milestones? What does those uh, steps and mechanisms look like? Um, and how can you engage in those? So, yes, it is, um, it is very much coming alive. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully <laughs> be able to share something more substantial. Like we have the bits and pieces, but it's coming together to, to it's a very worthy content of a playbook. So there's a point there that I want to kind of lean in on here, right? Is um, perfect is the enemy of good yeah, enough, yeah. right? You, you guys have done you guys have done some incredible work already, and have you know moved moved some mountains, if you will. Um, and oh my God, you don't have your damn playbook done yet. Like, and some people. Right. And and some people are like, well, listen, until I have the playbook and the 65 page brochure and this and that and the other, I can't get started. And that seems overwhelming. So I'm just not going to start. So let's just talk about this energy of like, just start, right? Like where does one just start to begin? And then everything like life is a work in progress. It's okay. Yeah. No, that, I think that's another key, key thing, not just in, in make a difference, but in like, I don't know, live a life, um, which is now. Right. So <laughs> everything starts now. There is there will never be a perfect timing. Uh, there will never be a perfect timing to quit your corporate job. There will never be a perfect timing to do anything like that. Vacuum doesn't miraculously appear out of thin air. Um, and I think that one one of the key things there is really that we tend to be 
we tend to see the the risk or like the the fears like we, we it's a very fear-based society we live in um, and so we we are we see everything that we've built up and we tend to think of it as very binary, right? So we think of it as either we continue on this great track that we're on uh, or we risk all of it for something that feels very uncertain. Meanwhile, if we start to really see what that like, what that is, and just by simply asking ourselves, like, you know, where the, the, the cost of inaction, like where will I be in one, five or 10 years time if I continue down this path? Well, perhaps I will have a second line on my business card. Is that, is that really what I want to have five or 10 years from now? And if you look at it from the other side, like it's... <laughs> It never is that binary. Like you really need to take those first steps to start exploring what you actually, what what your dreams and passions and madness are. Um, there, there's no other way of doing it. And uh, and I think there was some some smart person who said that I I don't know the name of, but like they, it's only a difficult choice if, if both options are are good or like if one feels very safe and the other one holds a very different upside. And then, so the, the hmm. simple thing here, I'd say, is that you really like at least like take that first step today. That might be a small one, but make sure you take one. So what we what we make our participants do as as we get them started, like they get one mad card each, uh, where they get to write what they are mad about, and then before they they exit the room, they have to write what action they are taking today tomorrow whatever they're doing the day after tomorrow they will they get to decide freely <laughs> but those two first steps to make sure that you start moving um on that on that madness on that uh, on the the feeling the the desire that you've connected with um so yeah no definitely the reason why the playbook isn't done is because we we did things instead of write the playbook <laughs> Right, right. You're out. You're out there actually doing it. Give me some examples of some. I mean, we obviously, you know, have spoken about the 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 women in Nigeria. Give me some examples of some of the the stories and some of these kind of enterprises that you guys have been uh, touching, just so we could get like a feel for the the, the gamut of this thing at this point. Um, I think we have one favorite example that we're working with right now with with Tendikai. Um, yeah, in yeah. in uh, Botswana. So there are, there is, uh, you can probably tell the numbers, Emily, of how many people there are in Africa who. Yeah, no, I'd say that there is approximately 250 million people living in exclusion in Africa due to hearing disabilities. And, and for me, why this example resonates so much, and then Fiona will share more deeper details on the actual business, but it's when, when people ask, ask us, you know, what is, what is social entrepreneurship all about? Isn't that just like a nice way of putting a part of the profit into something good? And, and I usually share this example because uh, I think it's so, it, it's very good in that sense. He, he does solar powered hearing devices. So it's really, you know, um, by doing so, you're obviously serving um, people that otherwise wouldn't have a solution that couldn't afford uh, or couldn't recharge their batteries mm. and and through creating that you also create an entire market that that wasn't there before um and so i think that yeah that's that's one of many powerful examples mm. yeah and so there are so many opportunities to innovate um solar technology already exists hearing aids exist but 
people hadn't put those two parts together because what was happening was traditional NGOs were providing the hearing aids to these communities, which was fantastic. People were able to hear for the first time, which meant they were able to go to mainstream schools and get access to education because a lot of teachers weren't um, weren't able to communicate in sign language. And so therefore those children did not get access to education. They were excited when they had hearing aids for the first time, but then the batteries would run out and they would be excluded again. And that's even more devastating. And even if they were able to get access to the, to the hearing aid batteries, they were so expensive that when the choice comes between feeding your family and having hearing aid batteries for your daughter, you're going to choose to feed your family. And so Tendakai and his team have worked together to try and find solutions that enable people to be able to use hearing aids and the technology that's available there, but to harness the power of the sun, which is so abundant in in Africa. And so he just, seeing those opportunities create revenue models, that's revenue generating businesses, because people are able to, first of all now, afford this little solar powered um, hearing aid. Also, NGOs are now actually buying them because they realize that's a much more socially responsible way of doing it. Um, But now he's starting to innovate because he says, yes, they've got hearing aids, but they would also like to be able to charge their cell phones from that same solar panel. And that's possible too. So it enables innovation to happen. And those are the things that are really exciting for us to be able to see how can we work together to create new ways to grow markets and to create accessibility to markets that have often been overlooked by traditional organizations and companies. How often do you guys need to go out to some of these places and do it? Like, you know, some, someone's like, okay, so I got two young kids, you know, my daughter had a fever last night. Like I'm, I'm kind of stuck where I'm at for a minute, right? As much travel as I do for, for my films, like, you know, we, when you got a young family, you can't really go to Africa all the time. And so a lot of people are like, okay, good, you know, easy for you. You're, you know, young and single if you are right. And don't have families. Um, you know, but what about me? I've got all these, you know, all these obligations at home. And so I want to, talk about, you know, the proximity to these problems versus, you know, being able to sit in Stockholm or Los Angeles and actually still be a part of uh, something very powerful. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create different ways for people to engage and to make a difference. And so there are some people who have the luxury to be able to travel quite often and and spend time with these entrepreneurs. Um, And we invite them to even come on our journeys. We'll be going to Uganda later this year to see another entrepreneur, um, another two entrepreneurs who are doing fantastic work in in Kampala and Soroti areas in Uganda. And that's what we're trying to do is create a way for people to engage in a way that suits them. Because we understand that everyone has different lifestyles, but people were asking us how they could get involved and contribute and make a difference. And so, for example, we are going to be going to Uganda later this year to visit two amazing entrepreneurs who are working in different um, sectors, one of them in sanitation and one of them in um, renewable energy sources. And what we're wanting to do is to be able to provide people who with the opportunity to be able to either come on that journey with us if they feel that they want to take a week and and come and really understand some of the sanitation challenges if they think there's a way that they can solve some of those they can be part of that that problem solving but before that there's also an opportunity to be part of a think tank so people who cannot come on the journey with us 
can contribute earlier into, into a virtual pop-up think tank with the entrepreneur online and us online from different regions. Then we will all, the ones who can, will actually go to Uganda and start testing an MVP in the community, with the community, understanding, getting some feedback on what we're currently doing, and then being able to get some, to be able to develop it further with, the, with students um, as well. Yeah, no, and, and for, for those of you who are not as nerdy in the business side as, as we are, the Sorry. MVP is the minimum viable product. So really just think tanking creatively about, you know, what could those possible solutions for growth hacks, uh, like really accelerating the scalability of those solutions look like. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, yeah, a, a couple of different examples of how you can uh, interact. But as you say, it's really about enabling or making it easy for people to go mad, you know, regardless where in the world you are. I love it. So my plan is to intercept you guys at least a couple times this upcoming year in some of your projects um, for our Prosperity Roadmap series and a couple of other things. I just, I love the energy that you're bringing. I love what you're doing and just how accessible you've made this for people who want to get involved. Where can people find out more? Where can people get involved and, and join MAD? It's not just, you know, two girls doing this. Everyone can be MAD. Everyone can be a part of this. So how do they do it? So the first thing to do is to go to our website, www.mad.group. That's G-R-O-U-P. Um, and on that site, you will be able to see our MAD manifesto, which gives you a little bit of a a deeper understanding into what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. It's uh, what brings the community together. And also on that page, you will see a link to our Facebook page where uh, some of our community is sitting where we're sharing some of the updates. We'll let you know where we're traveling when and also be showcasing some of the entrepreneurs and the challenges that they're having. So you can then see how you could potentially make a difference. Yeah. And I mean, you can also simply drop us a line. It's hi at mad.group um so yeah like just reach out on any of those channels and uh, you know there's heaps of really cool exciting uh pilots going so you know uh, if there's if you have cool mad ideas or um are just yeah buzzing to engage then let us know I love it. I love it. Keep up the good work. And when that uh, document is done or in its first revision, share it uh, as soon as, you know, share it with me so we can share it out with people and get it going. But um, look, you're out there, you know, you're charging forward. And so looking back and, and you know, wondering if you've you know, crossed every T and dotted every I gets you, you know, never out the gate. So I think that there's a powerful lesson in that. And I'm very proud uh, to have had you on the show. I think you guys are doing some great work and I encourage you to just keep going. You got a fan in me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, take care and keep on rocking yourself. Thank you, guys. You guys, it's been the Urban Monk podcast, Dr. Pedram Shojai. As you know, we've gone to audio only so I could travel. I'm doing a lot of travel this year. And I'm out there meeting uh, people like Fiona and Emily who are rocking it. And I'm going to share them with you. And I'm going to share the, the work that they're doing and bring it back because, you know what? Talk is cheap. I want to show action at every step and show how you can be involved in the action. So I will see you next time. Thanks for being here. 